0: Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast. and appreciate your support. Welcome in to, I think this is now our third edition of the crossover between... Browns film breakdown and the rebuild here on Blue Wire podcast. I am Jake Burns, uh, host of the Browns film breakdown podcast. I'm here with my man Jordan Zerm, host of the rebuild. Jordan, how you doing, buddy?
1: Jake, I am very well. I uh, I can't remember a time uh, where. I actually turned on a broadcast for the release of an NFL schedule. Like, I don't think I've done that, and have they even done that in the past? Either way, this is this has been a uh, very new experience of my life watching the release, even though it was released on Twitter and leaked on Twitter. But this has been a very new experience for me.
0: I actually didn't get to watch it. I was on the run, and my son was going to bed. Did I, I, I get? Did they just like release everybody at once? Because I kind of thought they were going to do it over time. And then I checked Twitter, and it was apparently all over Twitter a little bit before, like, Dogs by Nature had it or something like that?
1: Yeah, Dogs by Nature had it. Yeah, they did a really, really bad job. Um, Now, you know, I don't know if this stuff is all sort of contained, like, is it just at the NFL offices? I feel like teams have had the schedule maybe for a little bit, like, each individual team, or they at least had kind of like major info but yeah so it it was leaking throughout the day um it's kind of started with people finding out primetime opponents for the browns and they were sort of leaking those out and then yeah like right at the start of the nfl network broadcast they basically were showing the entire schedule on a little panel on the side they were going week by week so they kind of just released it in one big bash i don't know if that was a product of them realizing that hey all of this is already leaked on twitter or not but uh it all kind of came at once
0: yeah, no, I, I think uh I didn't I don't know, I didn't watch any of it. I just kinda looked at this guy. The first thing let's let's talk about what stood out because um I think that everybody sort of jumped the gun a little bit. This could be me. This is my volume takeaway, is like in most of my I guess I should make a disclaimer, most of my discourse about the Browns comes on Twitter or with people who are close <laughs> to Which is a
1: very sane coming. and <laughs> good place good place to have rational combos.
0: Yeah, well, it, surprisingly enough, you get better stuff. At, you get the you get the terrible. You know, you know how it is. Um, but no, I I I think that everybody sort of thought they'd get five games, capitalizing yeah. on the momentum of the Odell trade and all of that, and they only got four, which only is a, a weird word for a team. I saw a statistic today that that the Browns have only had thirteen primetime games uh, since maybe '99. I'm not sure if that dates perfect. Am I right? Yeah, Did you see that I number? know.
1: I saw that, and I I saw as well, I believe they've only had combined Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football. They've only had three combined in the last decade, and they're (laughs) going to have—I know. Let's think of those.
0: Hold on. Let's think of those. That was the 08 Giants— Yes. So they had the Thursday night Baltimore game. What was the other? one? And then
1: they played the uh, then St. Louis Rams when Mark Bulger was their quarterback in Cleveland on Monday night. And, Jake, I have no idea why, but I have like the most vivid memories of that game because I was I was pretty young. This is pretty early on after the Browns came back and uh, like early 2000s. And um, I remember like I was young enough where. Like I couldn't I wasn't allowed to stay up for the whole thing. So I think I watched like the first half, then snuck up to my room and put it on the radio in the second half. Like that that was the experience I was doing. But I weirdly remember that game. I think they got killed, but um I weirdly remember that one against the Rams on Monday Night Football.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't have any recollection of that game. I had to make a trip down YouTube into a wormhole to try to find that. I don't I mean I remember I remember the Giants game. I remember the walk off field goal block. I didn't like anything I've ever seen. You can't forget that game if you wanted to. Um, but I do have vivid memories of that that Giants game in 2008. The Browns were struggling, if I recall at the time, but they blew the lid off of, uh, you know, at that time Cleveland Browns Stadium, right? Braylon Edwards had a bomb, yeah. And they, yeah they, they didn't they, they inter- well. didn't they
1: pick off Eli like four times in that yeah. game or something absurd, yeah.
0: Yeah, they played well, and that's just what I, I actually think. A couple years back, I tweeted that it would be really cool to see this place rocking like that again. Because if you can like go to YouTube, if any of you guys out there haven't seen that game in a while. It's a pretty euphoric atmosphere, like ridiculously euphoric atmosphere for a team that I think everybody at the time knew wasn't very good. So um, that was when they were experimenting with the helmet numbers. I do recall that pretty. Uh, yeah,
1: I think I think they were. I think you're right. I think they looked. Pre- I think I remember liking that uniform I, I combination. Did
0: too. I did too. I've grown away from helmet numbers as I've gotten older, but I do like it. Uh, I did like it at the time. I, you know, this, this as far as these four games go. Um, yeah, let's 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 talk about them. They open with, um, no, they don't open with. They go week two to the Jets, Monday Night Football game. I'm excited for it. You get Baker and and Sam round two as. Sam came off a really good end of the year, and Baker obviously did what he did. I like that game. I think that will be a really, really fun atmosphere. Do you happen to know who the Jets play week one? I don't know off the top of my head. I do
1: not. I can do a quick search, but um, I do not know who they play week one, but I would guess that this will be, unless they're on television week one, which I don't think they are, this will be Le'Veon Bell's debut on national TV with uh, the New York Jets, so that'll be another another fun thing. Now, I could be... um, completely wipe that sentence out as I, as I, but I don't think they're one of the primetime teams on, um, uh, in week one.
0: They open with, you, you might've said it, but the bills is who they open with. So okay. they go bills. Then they go to, uh host us and then they go to New England. So they got three games there that are two of those at least. I think the Bills will be a lot better too. I think they've done some some fun things in the offseason that'll make them better. But yeah, that's who they'll open with. I mean, yeah. I would imagine the Jets are favored in that game in a home uh, home opener. And yeah, then, no. So that
1: that game against the Bills is a one o'clock uh, on CBS for the Jets. So yeah, so it will be. Um, it'll sort of be the you know it'll be Baker and Sam, but it'll also be yeah, Le'Veon Bell's sort of debut in front of a national audience on a new team. So that'll be pretty cool as well. So a lot of kind of storylines to watch in that one.
0: And Greg Williams is first time back against the Browns. Be oh, fun too. good point. Yeah, yep. he knows Freddie, so they'll be have to to wrinkle some things in there. Um, so yeah, that'll be a really that'll be a really enticing game, especially if both teams win. Uh, you know, both teams win week one, and then uh, I don't know. I heard, obviously saw this one earlier. I was pretty surprised that the Rams came to Cleveland so early. Um, yeah, that is gonna be if the Browns even come in one and one, or or they come in two and zero. That there could be a full drunk. T- like I'm a little worried about the city. Like they, they could be <laughs> an, it could it could be crazy, man.
1: Well, yeah, I agree with you, and I I put this on my Twitter. I was sort of just thinking about, like, which of their primetime games sort of excite me the most, and I, I think just because of the opponent and because there is potential... That the Browns could be two. I I would say there's a greater than fifty percent chance that the Browns are going to be two and zero going into that game. It's the mm-hmm. I believe it's the first Sunday night football game in Cleveland. I think that like since 1999, like they've never come to Cleveland for a Sunday night football game. So I think that's a first. And then you've you, you've got Baker and Jared Goff. You've got. You know, one of the the most high profile and innovative offenses that that we as fans will get to just see up close and in, in what Sean McVay has done there, and a team that has it has as many weapons on offense as the Browns do. Like that is a game um, that I think is going to be a blast, and probably the game at least primetime wise, and maybe even you know we'll get to some of this later, but maybe even schedule wise that just I can't wait for for that matchup, especially, like you said, if the Browns kind of come into it at 2-0, have just played on Monday Night Football, and then they get a Sunday night game right after that. that Week 2 and 3 is going to be a lot of fun, Jake.
0: It's going to be fascinating, all the storylines that you mentioned, and just sort of an early barometer for where they are, like how they're gelling. You could win two ugly games there, 1 and 2, but you cannot win an ugly game against... Against the Rams, especially, just feels like they're such a good regular season team in short prep. Now, the yes. fascinating part will be that the Rams will be traveling from West Coast to East Coast on a short week, um, and that that you know that obviously benefits the Browns in a, in a big way. So, um, for sure, and I,
1: yeah. I think t- I think too, Jake that. Um, I think this will be, we talked just a real test in general, but I think this will also be the first time, you know, we've talked so much this offseason about the Browns offense. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, them trading for him has made the focus of the conversation as well as the signing of Kareem Hunt on the offense. But I think that Rams game is going to be No one was really able to stop the Rams offense, but it will be a test for that Browns defense and really get a look at like what the Browns defense is and maybe what they can be or where they're going to need to maybe make some improvements when they take on that Rams team because, you know, no offense to the the Titans or the Jets, but those two offenses are nowhere near sort of the caliber of what the Browns are going to see with the Rams in week three. So that that to me, too, is going to be really intriguing just to see how a Browns defense that, you know, has also added some pieces this offseason is going to be able to kind of match up with the Rams
0: yeah great barometer in general um and I'll say too then I, I will keep going I'll, I'll cover this in, after the next one they go to San Francisco week five that's a Monday night game um I, I don't know people think the 49ers are going to be bad I think they're a completely different team when Jimmy Garoppolo is playing yeah it's obviously a game the Browns should win I don't think there's any doubt about that but we'll get to run into a former uh, offensive coordinator kyle shanahan who i have nothing but the most utmost respect for in the nfl in terms of play calling and game plan development so that one will be fascinating especially seeing them on the west coast in in primetime and that will be um you know their second monday night it does stink a little bit i guess as i'm looking at this that they don't get any home monday night games i guess that's nitpicking a little bit
1: yeah. And, you know, their first three, their first three sort of primetime games are all sort of bunched together there, you know, so they obviously as we go, we'll we'll touch on that last one. But sort of that second half of the season, you know, they they don't they, they sort of bunch those first three kind of close together. So we won't have as it's not as spaced out as maybe you would like. But, yeah, obviously, like no complaint from me about that, about that, really. That's just really, like you said, sort of nitpicking. But, yeah, both Monday Night Football games on the road, unfortunately.
0: Um, but that'll be a fascinating one because I think the 49ers and everybody thinks the team is going to be better, but I think they have genuine hope that once they get Jimmy back, he's better, they're better, they're in a better situation, they will probably add some more talent offensively, they'll get a big time talent defensively early in the draft, it seems like it's trending towards... Um, you know, Nick Bosa. So they'll be better yep. than they were, and it'll be early in the year. So it's easy to look at these schedules. And this is something I'm just making. I made a disclaimer. Everybody, a common sense, you don't know. Every year it flips. Like it, it could just the playoff teams fall out, and teams that weren't in the playoffs make their way to the play. It just, you don't know until you, you get there. It looks good on paper, and I, I think this is pretty favorable. On paper, I just, you know, you don't know. You don't know until you start playing and injuries happen. And, like, you look at the 49ers last year, looked like a really good, you know, going to be a really competitive team. And then Garoppolo, I think that was week two or week three. tears Yeah, it was really early on, yeah. yeah and, and it just shifts the entire point of your franchise at that point, too. And it's like, you don't know. So you think that you look at week four, um, the game in between those two is the Ravens at the Ravens. So that's a coin flip probably.
1: Um,
0: yeah. The first five games are vital. They got to come out of their three and two, in my opinion. And um, at the ceiling of four and one is probably is the absolute best. And we'll talk about this more later. But just sort of looking at those first five, because how Freddie starts his tenure as head coach is going to be important. And with so many games Being on primetime television, the audience will be nationwide watching how he develops in these first five games because they can't, I mean, they can flex, obviously, and we'll talk about this later, too. They can flex these games later in the year. They're not going to move Cleveland off of Sunday night football. Obviously, you can't flex Monday night games, but you can flex late games and you can flex Sunday night games. They won't move them off that game. If they start 0-2 and look absolutely putrid, they wouldn't move them off of that Week 3 home game against the Rams. But we'll talk about it a little later on. There's only one other game. that. Let's move to that. Week 8 is not a night game, a quote, air quote with my fingers here, primetime game, but it is 425, and you're going to get Nance and Romo in, in New England. What do you think of that one?
1: Yeah. So, you know, this was the game that was uh, there were a ton of rumors flying around that, um, you know, this was going to be could be the opening Sunday night football game of the season or it was just going to be primetime in general. And so I guess while I'm disappointed that that game's not going to happen in primetime, just because I think Baker versus Brady under the lights, um, you know, an eight o'clock start or a Monday night football start would have been uh, incredible. I think this is the game that if I were to guess this was a game that I bet you CBS blocked from being taken to prime time because I know that they do have the ability to sort of do that um, with certain with, a, with an allotment of games. And um, I, I believe both uh, Jim Nance was on, I believe when I was still at um, ESPN Cleveland, he was on their morning show uh one week during the off season and talked about how that was a game. Cause I knew the opponents already. That was a game that they were really interested in. And I, I have a feeling that, that Nance and Romo were like, give us that one. Like that's one we're taking. So I think it's going to be a treat. You know, we got Romo uh, doing color in the season finale last year against the Baltimore Ravens. And that was, that was awesome to have him calling a Browns game. And it'll be awesome to have him calling that Patriots uh, Browns game. Again, that's obviously at, you know, you have the buy right before it, which I think is going to be, you know, I think greatly improves the Browns chances. You know, they have a home game against the Seahawks and then they have a bye. So they're essentially get to be in Cleveland, you know, for two straight weeks, one of those just totally off. And then they go to Foxborough, which obviously that's going to be a really, really tough game for that for them to come out with a W. But, you know, the I guess the circumstances are in place for them to really give the Patriots a, a game there because of, of because of the buy, you know, so they've they're going to have two weeks to plan for the Patriots, essentially, and because they're not sort of traveling back from somewhere um, the, the week prior. So w- while I will probably chalk that one up as a loss just because it's it's the Patriots, I think that game is going to be really, really fun. And um, it's going to be fun to kind of have that in price, quote unquote, sort of like faux prime time for me when you have when you have yeah. Romo and Nance. Um, so that that one will be really fun.
0: Yeah, I think it. At least we got our first taste of that in Week Seventeen. Those two calling games. I think they're the best guys doing it right now. Probably not even close. So, um, yeah, it's cool. It's a different feel. It's a different environment when they're when those guys are there. It just sort of feels like a playoff game, and it feels like uh, yeah, it matters more. And yeah, I think you're you're certainly spot on about CBS blocking that one out. They want to have their A list guys there. That one should be fun. I don't foresee unless the Browns, like I said, unless the Browns just play terrible. They typically don't touch the first half of the season, so I don't expect anything to happen to that slot. The next one is a Thursday night home game against the Steelers. Just makes you kind of rub your beard if you have not Like, it's just fun. Like, like you know, I can't, I can't wait for a primetime night game against Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I unfortunately can't rub my beard because I don't have one. I, I'll rub my scruff. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, that will be, you know, I selfishly, I I wish that Antonio Brown or one of the Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell combo was still there because that would just obviously add to to the intrigue of that game. But, man, you know, Jake, I sort of I look at that game and I, I have absolutely no feel for how the Steelers are going to play this season. They we will obviously see them. um the first Sunday night football game of the year against the Patriots. And, you know, the Patriots are a great opponent, but we'll obviously sort of get a sense of, you know, what they're going to try and do on offense without those two guys. But this could be a just completely flip on its head game where in the past, the Browns have sort of had this amalgam of sort of Thursday night games late in the season on the road against division opponents. They've had a couple at home, but they've usually ended in, uh, in disaster. And it's usually at a point in the season where the Steelers are sort of prepping for the playoffs and the Browns are starting some quarterback that you've never heard of and are sort of licking their wounds from the season. And not to say that like by week 11, the Steelers are going to be out of it and they still have Ben Roethlisberger. They still have Juju. Like they still have pieces on that team where they can compete for, for the division. But Wouldn't it be amazing if coming into this game, the Browns are sort of riding high and their eyes are on the playoffs and they're leading the division and it's the Steelers who are sort of fighting to like maintain some sort of relevancy like that is the situation, Jake, that I hope we're in on November 14th.
0: That would be really cool. Other than, you know, I don't really have any other great word for it. Then it would just be it'd be cool. It'd be cool to be the team that's actually like you said sort of starting to gear up, put their foot down on the pedal to press toward a playoff run and watching Pittsburgh crumble. There is the flip side of it, like you said, um where Pittsburgh could be better than we all think and it could be, uh, you know, addition by subtraction with some of these guys and they could gel and they could they could take off. I would be just me personally, I would be pretty surprised if they're not hovering around 500 at least close to or above. I just have a hard time and I've had this discussion with a lot of people I just have a hard time picturing Pittsburgh and Baltimore just being non-competitive. Like I get yep. it; it's it's extremely plausible. And you look at their rosters, and it's like, okay, you know, one plus one equals two. It could be bad, but I just have to see it. It's the same thing with the Browns dominating the division. I just have to see it. And um, until we get there, and until they're in that situation, because it could get to that situation as Ben is not getting any younger. And and they've lost weapons guys that could be and James Conner I think is everybody as good as Le'Veon Bell so I kind of wash that one to the side but you get James Conner who's sort of dealing with a history of injuries and things that have happened to him and like he's a fighter he's a tough sob has nothing but respect but to say he's a guaranteed lock sixteen games a year I don't think you can do that so there's always that little uh a little in between as well and then they gotta solve some things on the receiver group too like where yep. they're going outside of Juju and. And some of those things, so they they're going to be so interesting and and yeah, like you said, I, I mean I don't know when's the last is the last time we saw Pittsburgh in an evening setting, a nighttime setting that Tim Couch win at Pittsburgh? Is that I time- I,
1: th- I think yeah, like in prime time. That's a good point. I I you might be right. I can't remember a time where you know they've had so many against the Ravens and the Bengals that I can pick out, but I don't think they've played the Steelers in, in prime time in in a while.
0: They should wear the orange pants, white jersey combo that they wore that game. and they Yeah, oh, that that would be an amazing <laughs> homage. Have Tim Couch be at that game. That would yeah, be great. That would be great. So, yeah, we're going to talk about quirks, and then we're going to talk about games that stand out to you. Big games, we kind of touched on that, but anything that stands out, and then maybe games that they could flex late in the year. But uh, I would be remiss if we didn't touch on Jordan, our, our key sponsor, just Harry's Razor. So, at Blue Wire, guys, we don't just partner with any advertiser. As you know, we want to make sure we're giving our listeners a good deal on a product. It's exactly why we love doing business with Harry's. Harry's is giving Blue Wire listeners a shaving kit for just three dollars. Do you use Harry's, Jordan? I, I do. Uh,
1: I so I like I, I don't. I usually I literally just use like a. Um because i i just don't have enough where it's like like I, I i literally just trim down to scruff like every couple of weeks so I just sort of have a trimmer that I use um, that I've used for years but I will say i i have used kind of other um shaving company I won't name any of them but ones where the quality have just like just razors that are just terrible and i I do know that i in the past i have, tried Harry's and it is not, it is not that. So I can highly recommend for anybody with a little more hair than I have, uh, that it is a, it's a wonderful product.
0: Yeah, I switched when we started using them, and uh, I've been I've been really impressed. They they obviously keep the blades uh, pretty sharp, and and they they provide a bunch of different things with it. I, I can tell you guys, you save ten bucks on a trial set includes five blade razor, lubricating strip, and a trimmer blade, rich lather shave gel, travel blade cover. I use all of those things as I come and go. Um, but I, I believe in them. I think they do a great job. So join the ten million who uh, who have tried Harry's. Claim your free trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a one hundred percent Quality guarantee if you don't love your shave let them know and they'll give you a full refund I have had people tell me that they have done that before um, so that's that's not it's not fake which is which is great so again go to harrys.com slash blue right to redeem your razor for just three dollars so jumping back in let's talk games that stand out to you that maybe we haven't touched on I think to me personally the Bengals are going to be extremely fascinating they have I think I saw the second easiest schedule in the league um and, and and I'll say this. They were controlling the division until they were decimated by injuries last year. I thought that yeah. they had a firm grip on the division. I couldn't tell you what week that happened, but I do know that I was very impressed early on. And that doesn't mean they weren't gonna organically fade away because you have Andy Dalton and things happen. But I think that they're gonna be a team that is slept on so I, I kind of enjoy getting them late in the year. Uh, we'll see what they are early in the year. I was, kind of, I don't know. I tweeted out the, earlier today I would have loved to open with Cincinnati. I think that would be a great opening game. But um, those two games, I don't know. I don't see them. They could move. I guess if the Bengals are better than we expect, they could move one of those games uh, late in the year. But if we're looking at games that like, I think that they could flex, if a team is better than we anticipate, I think Baltimore Week 16 could be one. Yeah, uh, for sure. Which could be a Sunday night game um or i guess another 425 if that's something they want to do if the if the sunday night game is competitive i haven't totally glanced at the sunday night schedule yet uh da, 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 da. But yeah any other ones that jump uh, jump off the page to you
1: yeah, there's a couple. I mean, I think the, it's really interesting, too. You know, from week 11 to the end of the season, they literally play they play the Steelers twice in three weeks, and then they yeah. basically they play the Bengals twice in four weeks, and then they have a game against the Ravens. So a ton of divisional games towards the end. Um, they also, uh, their season finale against the uh, Bengals is on my birthday. So shout out to the Browns. Um, two that stand out to me, uh, more just, one of these is just for fun purposes, and I'll, I'll start here. So if the Arizona Cardinals take Kyler Murray... Um, the Browns, (laughs) the Browns, I know poor Josh Rosen. He's, he's innocent in all of this, but if, if what, what everybody, it has gotten to such a fever pitch with Cliff Kingsbury's interest in Kyler Murray, that if they take Kyler Murray and they jettison Josh Rosen, they trade him, whatever we could get a Baker Mayfield versus Kyler Murray matchup on December 15th, which is the third to last game of the season. And I just think that would be a blast. It's in Arizona. So, you know, it's in the warm weather. It's going to be out there on that that sort of artificial. I guess they have. I guess it's grass they have in Arizona. They like they do. wheel it in on like a on like a conveyor belt. Um, I'll
0: I'll ask you this: What when you think of Browns playing at Arizona? What do you think of off the top of your head? Browns
1: playing at Arizona. Oh man, I don't I don't know if I have a. I feel like there's something specific that I'm blanking on.
0: When Kellen Winslow was pushed out of bounds on a key catch that changed the out of I think it was either right before they changed the out of bounds rule that was that 2007 year where they needed that win and I don't think they got it yeah and they lost that game but Kellen Winslow um, made a catch along the sidelines was in the air and got pushed out of bounds and it was I think it was right after they had changed that rule that you can't I, there was some weird ass rule back in the day where like you, yeah, you they got, lost that game at Arizona in, in 2007, December 2nd, they lost 27, 21 week 13. Um, yeah. And if
1: you, if you got pushed out in the air, it was in, um it was considered a catch because you got pushed out. So like yeah. they said, they said that had you not been pushed out, you would, they just assumed you would have gotten both feet in bounds, so like as a defender, you just weren't supposed to push them out of the air at all. And then obviously they—they they wound up changing that. But I—I I guess I don't remember that—that that was a, a big sort of. Uh, it, was this after they had changed the rule, or did it kind of spur the rule to change?
0: I'm—I'm I'm reading it right now. So it says it's on the Arizona page. da da da. Let me find it. I just, I had just seen it. I think it was just the year after they had changed that rule because he got, pu- I know he was pushed out of bounds and we were like, Maybe it was the rule was still in place, but they didn't reward him. It says the Cleveland game from last season, one in which the Cardinals fans remember the Browns still believe Kellen Winslow should have been credited. Yeah, it was still a rule because it said he should have been credited with a touchdown catch on the final play of what became 27 21 Arizona win after Browns players thought card defensive back uh, Oliver Celestin and Antrell Rule pushed Winslow out. That's fascinating. I could not imagine oh, man. that still What a rule! Under the new designation, it, it was, officials would not have the ability to overrule the fact Winslow did not get two feet down. God, that's brutal. I, I, I don't even remember that stuff. That, I just really remember him going up. Catching it on the left sideline and being like, that rule is there for this situation, and once again, the Browns are getting shafted by a rule that is there. Yeah,
1: Uh, but what's so crazy to think about is, like, just the extremes of that rule. I mean, like, if you're in the air, but your whole body is out of bounds, and there's no way you're coming down with the catch, but the defender sort of, like, pushed you a little bit, like, that's a catch. I just, I feel like— that was very early, you know, like that, a lot of that rule happened before I was like really, really into football. So I don't remember a ton of instances, but I feel like there had to be some extreme cases where you just had to be like, there is no way that guy would have ever gotten his feet in bounds, but because he got pushed out, <laughs> the ref was like, all right, 30 yard game. Yeah,
0: it's, it's bizarre. I, can, I, I need to go back and watch. I don't know if it's on YouTube anywhere, but that game is, it just stands out because that year, if they had obviously, if they had won that game, which they would have won that game, they and they don't blow that Cincinnati game like they probably make the playoffs. But anyway. um, Yeah, so,
1: but yeah, I mean, that game in, you know, in Arizona, just because of Baker versus Kyler and two, you know, Heisman Trophy winners from the same school that sort of followed each other back-to-back, like, that, I think that would just be fun for that reason. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm sort of selfishly now hoping, not, like, don't, if you're a Josh Rosen fan, don't come at me. I'm not saying I don't like (laughs) Josh Rosen. I'm just doing this. This is selfish reasons only. Um, And then, Jake, the other game, just because, like, it's fun. You don't get to play these teams all the time. I just it's fun to be able to play the Seahawks. And yeah. the the Browns also really lucked out. You know, they obviously they go to the West Coast for that Monday night game. So they get a little bit of a longer week. But then, you know, the other kind of West Coast opponents they play in both the Rams and the Seahawks, they have both of them at home. Like they got really sort of fortunate with that, that they don't have to travel to, to either of those places to play two really tough teams. And, you know, now that the sort of contract has has been settled with with Russ and the Seahawks sort of coming in that extension right at his sort of self-imposed deadline, like they can sort of just focus on trying to get back to being a, a team that should offensively be better than they were. And um, But I, I just love being able to play a team like the Seahawks and see a team like the Seahawks in person because, you know, Russell Wilson is that guy that, especially if you're on the East Coast and you're just not getting to see him as often, um, is somebody that you, we can forget how talented he is and how much fun he is um, to sort of watch play. So that'll be a tough game for the Browns, but it, I'm just sort of, uh, I always enjoy when a team like that comes to Cleveland because you just don't get to see them that often in person.
0: Yeah, great point. I'm I'm super excited to see the Rams, which you mentioned, and and and, and Russ obviously. I'm glad the Seahawks place faith in what he is because he puts that team on their back, on his back. I'm sorry. Yes, maybe um,
1: more than maybe more than I don't know and, if that gets talked about enough, but especially because of you know the scheme they run. It's where like him, they him and Aaron Rodgers
0: are like yes. the guys who carry. Too much bad of offensive load.
1: lines and bad yeah. offensive play calling, and they have to do so much. Yep.
0: Yeah. See, I'm I'm really fast. Obviously, I love seeing good quarterbacks come to to first energy. So that that Seahawks game stood out to me. I had to do a double take because I thought the Pittsburgh two times in three weeks was a mistake. Like to me, I didn't see why you couldn't swap Cincinnati and Pittsburgh there. That seemed really strange to me. Um, between weeks thirteen and fourteen to sort of spread those two out and away from each other, kind of weird, but whatever. Yeah, it um, is.
1: It is odd, but I don't yeah, know.
0: I don't either. But it, it looks like it's. I, I love that they get a bye before New England because I think that'll be pivotal. You never know with New England. Sometimes New England starts hot. Sometimes they start slow. Sometimes they have those midseason lulls. So you're hoping you're catching them in that midseason lull. But then again, you know, you want to play those. Do you want to see? If we're going to come out of the AFC, if that's our end goal, how do we stack up against those guys? So in Gillette will be fascinating. Um, Great point about Kyler and potentially Arizona week 15. But when I look at the schedule, week nine on is where I'm drawn to. The Bills will be fascinating because so many people – not so many – It was a fraction of people that wanted Josh Allen. So you get that up-close feel for what Josh Allen is. The Bills will always be well-coached. I think they're going to become, like I mentioned a little bit earlier here, they're going to become more talented. They did a nice job in free agency, and they'll do a nice job in the draft, and I really believe in what they're building there. I think we're probably getting them a year early, which is good. Maybe we keep drawing them because they keep climbing up that division. But I do – if Josh Allen can ascend or sort of – find a way to be respectable this year. And the next year will be a fascinating because that roster is going to be good. I'm just interested in how well Josh Allen plays within that structure. So that is a fun game for me. But if you look week nine on, like I try to look at what is a, because the Browns last half of last year was extremely favorable to them. How How could this be favorable? And it's like every team from week nine to 17, I see a path where they could be terrible. And, they could be out of it, and they could be packed in. If you look at the Broncos, I just think that they're an absolute shit show, for lack of a better uh, term. I, I, Buffalo could go in the tank, and then we talked about Pittsburgh and what the plausibility is. for. Even if they're just respectable, that's okay. That's not normal Pittsburgh. And I do think, and I should say this too, the Browns have something to prove. They kept playing Pittsburgh tough week one because I don't think Pittsburgh was ready, and then they play them midseason, and they get their – they. they Pittsburgh beats the shit out of them. They just just physically dominate Cleveland middle of the year. And I think that talks to the point you were talking about earlier with their gearing up for playoffs and the Browns are sort of just sort of squirming around. And I was really – there were only two games I was very disappointed in this team in one was uh, the, the L.A. Chargers last year at home. I thought they just had laid an absolute egg. And then on the road before he was fired, that performance in Pittsburgh was just absolutely abysmal. So I'm I'm very interested in them playing Pittsburgh tough midseason. They usually don't get them twice midseason. So how they play them and rise to that that rivalry that we hope is to become a rivalry really because the Browns bounce back, that'll be fun. Dolphins. I don't know. I just don't see it. <laughs> I mean I
1: sometimes I'm like they have somebody else other than Ryan Fitzpatrick a quarterback, right? And they that, nope, nope. that's what's that's, that's what's going on there. So that's um, what I was <laughs> I,
0: I'm trying to write something on on just sort of a way too early preview of what the Titans look like week one for tomorrow. And I forgot that Tannehill is a Titan. I forgot that they traded for him. So, um, uh, uh, yeah.
1: Oh, man, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what's going on there.
0: I just see, yeah, I just see weeks nine through seventeen. I see a path where each of those teams are pretty bad. Uh, even yep. the ones you think might be good, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, could be just mediocre. And then you're playing at that point a pretty favorable schedule, pushing toward the playoffs. Let's go. Let's go game by game. Let's just sort of predict them and All see right, what we think. Yeah, um, for sure. Tennessee week one they have improved they 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 lost Matt LaFleur who I respect a hell of a lot as an OC they brought in a new uh they didn't bring anybody else in they brought in the the tight end coach I can't remember the name off the top of my head but he's gonna be a first time play caller they like him a lot this will be Mariota's fifth play caller in five years now I believe man that's something to pay attention that's crazy if if Mariota wins the job I mean if he he was bad last year and if he's not if he's bad again in camp and preseason Tannehill's just sort of like below average, but sort of hovers at the average sometimes, and they could they could think that that's a better route to go. So, uh, they added Adam Humphreys, they added uh, Roger Saffold up front, who will help their interior offensive line, which wasn't very good, and then uh, Cam Wake defensively. They'll be better. They'll be good. Corey Davis came into his own. I- I'm very fascinated by that. I have to peg it a win though. Home opener, they haven't. When's the last Browns home opener win? Is that Baltimore? Um, I think
1: it's. I think it remains um, that game against Baltimore when two thousand four. I believe Jeff Garcia was the Cleveland he, Browns quarterback.
0: He absolutely was. Was that is that o four? Or am I off? It might be earlier than o four.
1: 4 sounds know. right,
0: but um, then you yeah, break I'm not sure. It. If they break yeah, that, they have that to break jinx, it, yep. If they break that jinx, they, they, it'll it'll propel them. If they lose that, I would be frustrated and i think i think the titans are good i'm like De- like derek henry Deion lewis they're good they're going to be a yeah, very Derrick, good yeah derek henry
1: a very sort of slept on player had a really good year last year
0: absolutely uh, 4.9 yards of carry i think and he had like 12 touchdowns so and you know like Deion lewis is is sort of what duke johnson i think are those two are uh, sort of the same player prototype, so it 's going to be interesting that 'll be a good game. Browns are favored by four that 's probably a bit too much. I think it should be a true coin toss give it and brown's three points at giving away three points at home seems right to me as it is it means it 's sort of a coin toss so i'm going to peg it a win week one. What are you pegging it?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a win there as well. I think you hit on a lot of sort of the pertinent points. It's going to be really interesting. You mentioned Mariota and, and, and Tannehill. And, you know, Mariota had that thing going on last year where he was just like he lost feeling in his fingers. And so, like, he was in and out of the lineup and Blaine Gabbert was playing a lot. And it was just really, really strange. And um, I th- it's so hard to know, like, what Mariota is and what he can be. You know, sometimes it felt like in, in that offense with Mike Malarkey, he just... They weren't opening things up for him and letting him sort of play in a system that would benefit him. They obviously have, you know, Derek Henry is a very talented running back and they lean sort of heavily on the run. And then Mariota's just had so many injuries. But it's, it's just hard to know what, what Mariota is. And, and I think just sort of for that reason, too. Yeah, I, I just think the Browns are more talented. And I think at home in a game that they sort of, you know, you want to come out for your first year head coach and, and play well. And the crowd's going to be rocking. I, I think I'll, I'll take a W there as well.
0: Yeah, I'm into it. We both sit 1-0. Week 2 the Jets, Monday Night Football. That's going to be rocking there. The Jets added uh, Le'Veon Bell, as we know. They added uh, Kolek- Kolekio Simile uh, inside, uh, helped their their offensive line. They also added somebody that Browns fans were extremely interested in, C.J. Mosley, which is an yep. interior linebacker. Um, and then they missed out on Anthony Barr, which is uh, unfortunate for their situation because he's he would have helped. Uh, but nothing else really big. I mean, it's it's a lot of the same roster. Leonard Williams is an anchor of the front. Jamal Adams, Tremaine Johnson in the secondary. Um, weak at wide receiver. I think this is where they need to address in the draft a little bit. Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa sort of anchor. They did sign Jamison Crowder, former uh, Redskin. But, I, I mean, the Browns have to be better. If they're going where we think they're going, they're better than this team. We have a. They, they, you feel like they have a better quarterback. Um, you feel like they have a better running back wide receiver group, tight end players. They're better up front. Like you just have to win this game. I have to peg it as a win. And if I, I I just, I can't go against that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think your point that this is a game they have to win. They are better than the Jets, and they if they want to be the team that a lot of us expect them to be and look look on the, the, the roster on paper, and like this is a team that should beat the New York Jets, and I think we would feel really disappointed if they sort of came out of this first two-game stretch before the Rams it at one and one and, yeah, like, I, I like Robbie Anderson, a lot of guy that's, uh, you know, can be a really good deep threat at times, and I think just, uh, you know, another year under his belt, he'll, he'll continue to improve as a receiver, but I, I think some of those other names you mentioned, especially offensively, and then you look at, you know, Le'Veon Bell, who's obviously incredibly talented, but the guy, you know, didn't play a year of football, and you just... You know, who knows how long it sort of takes. A lot of guys talk about game speed and game shape, and um, he'll go through the preseason, and, you know, he'll be there for OTAs and training camp and all that stuff. But you just never know when a guy sort of is out for such a prolonged period of time um, how long it's going to take to sort of reorient himself, especially on a on a new team and a team he's not familiar with as, as he was with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, yeah, this is a game that the Browns sh- should win and I think need to win to really, um, you know, Show people that they are a team that's going to be different, and this is this is the sort of game that I think in years past, and even um, you know when they had some talent, it's a game that they would go on the road and they'd not play well, and a team that you know is less that is, is frankly less than them would co- come out and beat them, and that's something that just can't happen. But I, I'm I'm confident that they'll I think they'll win this game as well. So I think we're both sort of at two and zero as they they head back to Cleveland to take on the Rams on Sunday night.
0: So let's talk Rams. Where do you sit? It looks like they. Um... They, they lost some pieces. They lost LaMarcus Joyner. Um, they, they lost... They lost... Uh, it doesn't seem like Adamic and Sue is going to be back to anchor their front. It doesn't... I'm trying to see. It looks like they lost Mark Barron. They've lost some names. I haven't necessarily seen them add anybody of significance. Um, yeah. They, they signed Eric Weddle. That's right. They signed Eric Weddle... Uh, to help bolster or fill in, I didn't. I wasn't impressed with Eric Weddle in Baltimore, but that's just me. Uh, I think he sort of hit the decline in his career. Still a good football player, but he's not like Marcus Joyner was. And then they signed Ooh, Blake Bortles.
1: Oh, oh, yes. Shouts yeah. Twitter. Shout out to Blake Bortles. Uh, shout out to Blake Bortles. Shout out to the chosen one, Blake Bortles, getting his his rebirth in uh, <laughs> his rebirth in Los Angeles. If Jared Goff gets hurt, I feel like this is inevitable. Jared Goff is going to get hurt for a couple games. And like Blake Bortles is going to come out and he'll just like throw for 300 yards because Sean McVay is a is a, a freak of nature. And everybody's going to be like, yeah, like it's, it's going to feel good for everybody. And Blake will be happy. And that's I think that's going to happen.
0: So Blake Bortles signs with who in 2020 would it be? Oh,
1: God. Uh, uh, dolphins. I'm going to Oakland. <laughs> Oakland? All right. is going Oakland. Oakland or Miami. All right.
0: I like it. I like where we're going with this. Blake Bortles, two games where he comes in and chucks 300 yards and four touchdowns. And yeah. he's God's gift. Yeah. So they kept uh, – they kept – dante fowler and then they signed clay matthews i the rams are not going to be as good i mean they're they're good they're going to be good because they're well coached and they have a system that the players believe in i don't know who's starting inside for them their depth chart as, as of right now doesn't list a starter at left guard or center losing saffold um i don't know there's some holes to fill here it'll be interesting to see how they do it uh um, they're going to be extremely good still I don't know. I feel like the Browns win this game. I don't okay. know why. I think they come out. Th- I'm trying not to put on blinders, uh, but I think they come out three and zero. I that's that's where I'm sitting with it. What do you got?
1: I I love that. I um I'm gonna just go conservative here, and that's I am good. going to I, I'm gonna give them the loss, and I, I think I'm gonna give them a loss because it, this feels like a game where. The Browns playing a really, really good opponent could maybe experience some hiccups for uh, for the first time all season and hiccups not only in trying to slow down that offense. And although I think the Browns uh, defense is going to be improved, we sort of saw what happened when they played the Kansas City Chiefs at home last year and the and the Chiefs just did absolutely anything they wanted to. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs offense was um, maybe the best in, in all of the NFL, um, and maybe even another, in my opinion, maybe even a step up from, from what that Rams offense was. But, uh, I, I think the Browns will struggle to slow the Rams down because like you said, just what McVay is a play caller and sort of, you know, systematically what they do there. Um, so I, I'm going to give them the loss there just because I think this might be the first game where defensively they could struggle, and then maybe offensively when they're trying to play catch up, if they get down early, they just don't have the sort of rhythm that they need yet. Like if this game maybe was a little later in the season, I'd feel a little more confident about some uh, the Browns offense sort of coming all together, but this feels like an early season sort of feeling things out game, and I think they'll play well and keep it close, but I, I, I'm going to give them a, a close loss. I'll have them at 2-1. and one.
0: Okay, I like it. I am I'm, I'm feeling nervous about my 3 and 0, but I I justified it. I really liked your justification for that loss, but we're going to move on. I'm 3-0, you're 2-1. Um, we go to Baltimore. I God, man. <laughs> I, just feel a, like pick, I feel like the Browns are better than Baltimore. I feel like they are. But I don't know if I have to pick a I can't. The Browns can't be 4-0. Can they be 4? Should I should I stop thinking too much? I don't know. Like the the Raven or the the Ravens added uh, two big names, Earl Thomas, who's a hell of a safety, but he's coming back from a broken leg. It's early in the season, and they added Mark Ingram to what is already a good running back group. I don't think Mark Ingram make or breaks your running back room, but he's good. He's a fine player. Like I also think they might be going through a transition. Like they get the Miami Week One, so they're going to be in good shape in terms of like they should be working away from running Lamar into the ground like he's freaking— army triple option quarterback like that shouldn't yeah. be but maybe they don't i don't i don't know they, they i think they're going to try to hybrid all of that stuff <laughs> i i'm let me look at their depth chart because sometimes that helps they're what they're top. their wide receivers are willie sneed jordan lasley and chris moore they're going to draft one but these wide receivers in this draft none of them evoke utter confidence in me that they come in and just play well week one like I mean, I obviously think D.K. Metcalf can be a good football player, but he might be gone by their selection. Then you're looking at, like, Marquise Brown or, uh, I don't know, A.J. Brown. I, I don't know. I just think they're going to be anemic with wide receiver pass game. They have tight ends who can play a little bit. Obviously, Matt, Mark Andrews is fantastic and Nick Boyle can play. And their offensive line is good. Ronnie Stanley, Yonda, Orlando Brown had a good rookie year. But there's a way to stop them. They, they lost their Mike linebacker. They lost... Terrell Suggs, like, they lost. Zadarius Smith, they lost. Yeah, they their lost. Def-
1: their defense just got decimated. Um, like,
0: I, it- I just like, they have Brandon Carr back. The Browns absolutely roasted Marlon Humphrey the two times they played him this past year. And Eric Weddle, and Tony, sorry, Tony Jefferson, um, is obviously Baker's boy from Oklahoma and is a good football player who I hope the Browns signed when, when he signed with Baltimore. I wanted Cleveland to sign, but he's been getting just baked. Like, I don't... I, I'm t- I'm telling myself this should probably be a loss, but I also don't know why. Like, I think the Browns should be... I'm going 4-0. You know, okay. Yeah, Podcast, right. J- F it. I'm doing it. I'm going 4-0. J-
1: Jake's taking the Browns to go 16-0. This is about to happen. Um, uh, we're I, getting there. We're getting there. We're almost there. I, I, too, I feel weird about this game because, yeah, this is a game that you could sort of circle on the schedule as like a, you know... Even like even if they came off a either really close game against the Rams or a win over the Rams and you're on this high of three and zero or or two and one and maybe you lost on a, a last second thing and and you know you're getting all this praise because you you play with the Rams where this is a game where it's like that that sort of emotional letdown slash you're on the road and you're playing a team in Baltimore that just you know for whatever reason it's a divisional game and they get up for it and it could be a loss but I'm I'm sort of with you here like I just don't think you know we're still I. I've been a supporter of Lamar Jackson, but he's still a guy that absolutely needs to you know improve as a, as a thrower of the football and like you said the, the Ravens cannot just rely on him to run as much as he did last season and especially against the Browns and um, you know their week 17 matchup like I think this is a game Baker gets up for because it's him versus Lamar Jackson. And I think a lot of people talk about that not that Baker doesn't get up for anything but like this is one of those games divisional. And where he knows he's directly competing with somebody from his, you know his draft class that he wants to you know play well against, like I'd be hard pressed to give them a loss too so I'm gonna take a, a win here, and I'm gonna move them to three and one.
0: I just I guess I could see here in my mind I could see a path to losing that Titans game because I think they're a better football team than we admit, but if their quarterback play is terrible and it could be terrible you, you, you can see an easy path to them winning that game. And then it's like, if they lost week three, I would not be surprised and or yeah. disappointed because the Rams just have a formula and they're good. And all the above, although they're worse than they were last year, they're still good. So, um, but I, I, I look at the Ravens and unless they just like knock the draft out of the park, but that's also so dicey continuing, like not continuing Cause they don't do this is what we've done. They're counting on the draft to plug some holes. And that's kind of scary. Like why Preston Brown isn't, or, or sorry, Zach Brown isn't a Raven. Doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, I don't, I don't get that. But I feel like the Browns should beat those four teams if they're what we think they are, what we think they can be. I think that they should win those four games. Now, here's where I see letdown. Week five at West Coast trip. You're going to uh, San Francisco. I think San Francisco is going to be better. Not very good, but better. Uh, Marquise Brown, or sorry, Marquise Gowin, they signed Jordan Matthews, Dante Pettis really came along, they obviously have a deadly tight end in George Kittle who took off, you get a healthy Garoppolo, Tevin Coleman signed that way, they get a really good edge rusher in D Ford, they're probably going to add a really good uh, edge rusher in uh, Bosa or Josh Allen if they want to go that route, they have names inside, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, all high pick players, they signed Quan Alexander in the middle, their secondary is not very good, but they can be really good at getting after the quarterback, and I think this game will give the Browns some trouble. I think the travel to the West Coast, the 49ers will be up for a Monday night game, so I'm going to drop their first loss here to go to 4-1. Wow, and one.
1: Four and one with a loss to the 49ers on the road. Okay, I, uh, I, I don't disagree with your logic there. I do think that... Um, there there are statistics out there about, you know, the teams that have to make that east coast to west coast travel and how much and and also the other way, west coast to east coast and how much those teams struggle when they do those. I I'm going to give the Browns a win here just because I think they are I just think their talent level is above the 49ers. And even though they are making sort of this travel and maybe they come out of this, you know, four 0 and they're, they're just exhausted from playing four really tough games. I, I'm going to give them a W here. I just don't think the 49ers are good enough to, to beat the Browns. I think this is another game where, like you said, like we talked about the jets that for the Browns, while I think we will, we could understand a loss in this game. And especially if they're three and one, four and no, it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. But I, it's a game where, like, you just need to kind of go out and, and puff your chest out and, and beat a team like the 49ers who are still going to be kind of putting things together offensively and still kind of, you know, Jimmy G kind of coming back in week five after a major injury and, you know, feeling him out. And if if he is the guy that, you know, Kyle Shanahan thinks he is when they, when they sort of made that big trade for him. And, you know, we've seen flashes of it. We've also seen really bad games from Jimmy G where he's forcing balls and he's uh, making bad throws. And so I don't know, you know, where the jury is on him quite yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to give the Browns a close win in the Bay area. Uh, so I will put them. So now I think our records have evened out. So I think they're, they're four and one,
0: four and one a piece. We come home for the Seahawks who um, they're an interesting roster too. They yep. are, they're, run by a coordinator who I don't totally believe in. They don't have many picks. They only have four picks, and interestingly enough, they're an ideal trade-up target if the Browns want to get into round one at pick 21, if the Browns are really craving a player in their uh, top 15 that there was reference there when they pulled the trigger on the Odell-Beckham trade. They only believe 15 players are top uh, first-round grades on, so if they feel like maybe at 21 somebody like Devin Bush has slipped to 21 or... I wrote about this uh, over at the OBR today, actually. Somebody like uh, Andre Dillard, a long-term offensive tackle, or um, they want to move up for – who's the other one I had? God dang it. Uh, <laughs> corner. Somebody like Byron Murphy. They really want a corner that uh, DeAndre Baker, kid out of Georgia. This is where it gets interesting. So looking at their roster, they 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 have Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, playmakers. Their tight end situation is Ed Dixon. They're not threatening a tight end. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny should have a better second year offensive line remains a question mark. Defensively, they're they're different. They look different. Frank Clark is still there, KJ Wright is still there, Bobby Wagner is still there. All of those sort of big names, but then you're relying on a lot of unknown uh unknown pieces uh in this group. So the Griffin brothers play a lot of minute or a lot of time. Barkevius Mingo. Shouts out to Barkevius Mingo for keeping. Uh, he's the NFL still he's career. still hanging
1: in there. Yeah, man. Good for shout, him.
0: Shout out to that dude. So he's still thriving in Seattle, but they're not the Seattle that we remember. So, um, you know, they've lost the last member of that old school Legion of Doom. They have the linebacker play. They have a really good Russian in Frank Clark that we a lot of people wanted to get to free agency but didn't. But it's a very winnable game back in Cleveland. I am going to play it conservative and give them a win. They're going 5-1, and one. Jordan. They're going 5-1 and one in the first six games. That's where I'm at with it.
1: Yeah, it's like I want to give them a loss in this game because it's just the Seahawks. But I think like when like I am still that the name, the reputation that the Seahawks sort of possess is is making me feel that way more so what the Seahawks actually are. And I think a lot of that and like, you know, for a team that runs the ball as much as the Seahawks did last year and and maybe will continue to do this year, it just like they they they've had these series of running backs since Marshawn Lynch that have had these games that are really good and then they sort of just taper off or disappear and and like from Chris Carson and, and Penny and who was um, Thomas Rawls is another oh, guy God, who yeah. you know like like came in and had a couple of really big games and then just like was never really heard from again and they just have sort of this rotation of okay to above average running backs but but guys that just aren't going to sort of you know they're not marquee names and they're not these marquee running backs and then like like we talked about earlier like they're still relying on a on Russell Wilson to do so much and they're still struggling on the offensive line and they still sort of have a have a play caller and guys there offensively that you know make things harder on Russell Wilson than they should be and although I think you know Doug Baldwin is sort of underrated every single year and Tyler Lockett had an insane year last year with the, the amount of ball, I think it was like 90% of passes he caught from Russell Wilson last year, something ridiculous. Like their connection went to another level last year and he's a really good player, but I just don't know if there's enough there to, again, they're coming, you know, to Cleveland from Seattle and having to play a, a, a really good Browns team that, um, yeah, I don't know that like that one. I
0: could easily like a, a loss. I can see, but I think I might give him a win too and move them to five and one. We're five and one through six games. We're cooking. <laughs> All right. So week seven, we're going to take a trip down to the flats, have a couple beers and take a bye week. Week eight is the matchup to see if they're five and one. They're playing New England. It is the ultimate AFC barometer. If you go into New England and you win, you are putting your foot on the AFC and saying other than the Chiefs, because I don't know where they'll be at that point or or Indianapolis. I have a hell of a lot of respect for where they're at at that point. This is our conference. We think we can win it. However, I think they lose that New England. I don't think they win that game. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I'm going to look at their yeah. loss real quick.
1: No, I'm right there with you. I think that um, I think they're going to lose that game. I think even with a bye ahead of it, I just think it, it's New England. You know, but what I do think could happen here, Jake, is this is something that happened last year when the Chiefs went into Foxborough, um, sort of middle of the mm. season as well. And the Chiefs played real, I mean, offensively played out of their minds. I believe they scored 40 plus points, but they ended up losing just because Tom Brady, I think, had the ball last, if I'm remembering that correctly, how that game went. But it's sort of not that we didn't already know how good the Chiefs were, but they came into Foxborough and that offense didn't miss a beat. And everybody sort of looked at Patrick Mahomes as like, yeah, this dude is it. And it is. It is really exciting for me to think about the potential of Baker Mayfield doing something similar, where he and Odell maybe put on a show in New England. And yeah, I don't think they're going to come out with the win, but I think it's going to be close, and I think they're going to score points, and I think it'll be one of those things where you have a young quarterback in his second year. Although, you know, this was Mahomes only played a couple of games um, in his his rookie season, so this was really his first sort of full year. So it's a little different for Baker, but I think the potential to sort of showcase themselves. 425 in front of you know Romo and Nance as a sort of CBS's ma- main afternoon game. Like I think that potential is there. So I think they dropped a five and two, but but I, I'm i excited for that sort of parallel between what the Chiefs did last year and what maybe the Browns can do this season.
0: <clears throat> okay, beer on me. Next time we're in person, if you can name the Patriots second wide receiver uh that is currently listed as a starter. You know Julian Edelman, <laughs> if you can Julie name a second.
1: Okay, so Chris Hogan's gone, correct?
0: Chris Hogan is gone. I believe Chris Hogan landed in Carolina, so yeah, he's out.
1: He's out. Obviously, Josh Gordon. We have no idea what his status is.
0: They uh, did just sign Demarius Thomas, but I'm not counting him. He's coming off Michaelis too. They did. Achilles he's tear, coming right? off,
1: and he's yeah. I don't know how that's going to go. Are we?
0: Is Cordarel Patterson
1: considered a wide receiver? Or are we putting him at running back? What are we doing with him?
0: Cordero, Did they keep him? Or, uh, let me. That's a good
1: question too, because I don't he's know. not
0: on their kick return, punt return listing, so he might okay. be out. Um, All right. Yeah. Um. I'll give you initials. Uh-oh. It starts with a P, the first name, and a D for the last name. Um, P for the first name and a D for the last name.
1: Oh, man, Jake, you you, I may be stumped. This beer may not be something you're going to have to buy me.
0: Philip Dorsett, my friend. Oh, Philip it, Dorsett. Yeah, which is Philip just speaks Dorsett. to where they're at. Yeah. So, New England's fascinating. They they lost their left tackle um, as, as he signed in Oakland, I believe, Um Isaiah Wynn, their first-round pick from from Georgia, who I loved last year, comes back from an injury, a season-long injury. He will be their left tackle. They, um, offensively, when you take away Rob Gronkowski and Chris Hogan and Josh Gordon and some of the other things that made them enticing, it is not a good-looking offense on paper. Um, Here's what's interesting, though, and I I don't want to give New England a ton of credit. They, like... I listened to Simmons' podcast which is, you know, I he's doing more with Russillo and I like really love Russillo because I think Yeah, is Ru- wonderful, yeah. He talks about the zigzag theory and people, you know, zigging to while everyone else is zagging. I think New England started to zig last year. They started and finished the playoffs power football run game and it was it was highly effective. Like in the Super Bowl, AFC Championship game, they uh did they see the writing on the wall, like, hey, we need to sort of shift our identity here? I don't know i they have Tom Brady, who is a robot machine, um, and they'll make it work. They'll be good, but that offense like you have to also have some like some guys, you can't just have a <laughs> bunch of jags all the time, and like yeah
1: you have to have guys that, yeah, have some sort of semblance of offensive ability as, you know, and guys are going to be able to sort of work their way open when, you know, the system is sort of going to break down. And even yeah. in, you know, the days when, you know, Tom Brady was thrown to guys like Troy Brown and other guys that, you know, maybe you don't think of them as, as these uber talented guys, but they were still guys that could, you know, had the ability to play that position during that time at like a high level. And now we're looking at, you know, Julian Edelman, who's going to be, you know, mid thirties, or maybe he's younger than that. He feels like an old person that's had, you know, that's also had some major surgeries and Philip Dorsett. And yeah, it's, um, I think you're. I think you're right there. That that offense, at least on paper, at least where they are right now, is is certainly not the caliber of offense that you would expect from a from a Patriots team.
0: So Jules, as he is known, uh, yes, 32 years of age, and he okay. actually is going to turn 33 by the start of the season because he has May 22nd birthday. So he's getting older. That's a good point. And um, their, their other receivers are Bruce Ellington, um. Uh, Braxton Berrios, who I loved out of Miami last year. He's he, maybe he becomes what they hope he becomes. And then it's Maurice Harris, Matthew Slater, and um, somebody else I've never heard of. So they, they pick 32. Maybe they take receiver there. That's an ideal spot to take somebody like A.J. Brown from Ole Miss or um, maybe somebody like Akeem Butler. or I don't know. There's there's wide receivers sort of at that perfect spot there. They could trade down too and and gather more picks. That's a spot, too. I thought that is in play for Cleveland to move up into the first round if they wanted to use that fifth year option on Jeffrey Simmons type deal. Defensively, they're still very good. And I should mention offensively, too. They have the best offensive line coach in the NFL, and Dante Scornick. They'll be fine. They'll run the football fine. It's just how do they get open? Um, you know, they still have Stephon Gilmore, Vinoy, Dante Hightower. They traded for Michael Bennett, which was a great move. Oh, They'll that's be right. really yep. good for them. They did lose uh, – what's his name? Went to Detroit. Help me out. A uh, huge contract. Um, we suck, dude. We're doing a football podcast. We do all these things. <laughs> yeah. Trey Flowers, Trey Flowers. That, yep. It. Thank you. The McCourty twins are still there. Patrick Chung just signed for another year, so they'll be good. They'll be good defensively. I, listen, I gave them a loss here because I'm. I think that they could lose a different. I'd, like if the Browns went in and won this game, I'd be. I'd be. I would not be surprised if they're. Like I said, if they're what everyone thinks they'll be. I wouldn't be surprised, but then I can say, okay, they're five and two and maybe they lost to Tennessee or they slipped up against somebody else. Like then, you know, five and two going into the second half of the year is a really good, uh, is a good spot to be in, in my opinion. So then they go to Denver let's back to back, back to back back-to-back
1: seasons going to Denver is very interesting
0: hey hate, hate going up there but I do like that Baker's played there that was one of his least accurate games yep and uh people talk about how the air and Bernie you know obviously has been around the block he talked about the difference in air quality and how the thinness can can sort of mess with your accuracy so it's good that they've been there and it's good that they've won there I like that that year is your last uh last sort of memory so let's look at what they bring they signed back Chris Harris defensively they have Chubb they still have somehow they've pulled off keeping Von Miller there and happy he's he's there they'll be good enough there I don't know where they draft they must draft relatively early I'm not sure who they'll do they well Jake
1: what's really important here is they now have an elite quarterback in uh the elite of the elite in in Joe Flacco who according to John Elway is uh just entering his prime so um
0: different definitions of prime between us yes but shout out to john elway man i don't know how he has a job that super bowl uh, really,
1: hey but he's, he's still there he's still hanging out um he is. Uh, so that's really the big takeaway here is joe flacco is going to win mvp and uh the broncos will be back in the super bowl so there's no way the browns could ever win this game
0: no that's absolutely impossible their, it's second, out of reach. their second quarterback on the denver broncos depth chart right now again we'll buy you a beer if you know who it is <laughs> and he has a strong cleveland connection
1: Strong Cleveland connection. Oh man!
0: Distant Um, relative of a very famous. Like, did
1: he was did he play for the Browns?
0: He did play for the Browns.
1: Oh man! Um, Recently, he did play for the Browns. Let's go with.
0: It's not Kevin Hogan, is it? It's Kevin Hogan. Oh my God! Whatever beer you want, dude. Consider it done. It is Kevin Hogan. Wow. backup quarterback in Denver right now. They the still game. have – they have some guys. They have Philip Lindsay, Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton. Jake Butts, they're starting tight end on the depth chart. I don't know. I don't know. Where, did they have a first-round pick? I, I meant to look at that. Um, I don't know. Denver Broncos. Also,
1: poor, uh, poor Jake Butts, man. That dude – Tears, you know, becomes like the poster boy for why you shouldn't play in your college bowl game, uh, so you can avoid injury. Tears his ACL in their bowl game in I think 2016 or 2017, then tears it again last year. Like that, that dude it would have been
0: 17, right? That's your 17th year. Curtis yeah. Samuel scored in overtime to win that game, or am I off? Yeah, I
1: believe so. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think it was 17, right? Because then he didn't, yeah, then he didn't play again last year. So um.
0: I was actually coaching high school football at the time when Jake Butt played at Pickerington North here in Columbus, Central Ohio. Yeah. And, um, one of the more amazing high school athletes I've ever seen, uh, I, uh, I briefly,
1: yeah, I briefly met Jake Butts when I was, um, doing some work when, uh, he was actually at the same training facility ahead of the NFL draft with like, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Jabril Peppers. And I was doing some stuff for work out there with them and I was wearing Cavs gear. And uh, he's from Hudson, um, and uh, which I was unaware of. And very so lub- he, I had
0: family in Hudson, very lucrative it, area. Hudson, yeah,
1: it, it is. And so he commented on my Cavs gear, and he was like, oh, "I love the Cavs." And I was like, oh, "I didn't know you're from uh, yeah, Cleveland, so or the Cleveland area." So he was a really nice guy, and I feel bad for him. And hopefully, he can like actually play NFL football this year.
0: Yeah, I hope so too, because he was a heck of a player in Michigan. I think he, he was. He was.
1: South he South was here. phenomenal. So, um, um, but I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that changes the fact for, <laughs> for Denver that they are relying on Joe Flacco and Kevin Hogan. Pick,
0: yes, they do pick ten. Um, they could okay. pick a quarterback there. They could. They could take. I know Haskins went out there and supported the John. Or he supported. He sported the John Elway jersey, and I'm oh, sure yes, that made John Elway very happy. That I'm would sure go. he ate that up. How? How would? How would? <laughs> How would Joe Flacco feel if, uh, if <laughs> Two, if two years in a row he <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he's just entering his prime Anyway, I don't know where they'll go from there they, they can improve a lot of different spots The Browns have the better roster It would be an utter disappointment if they lost that game So I'm at 6-2 and two going into week number 10 Where are you at? Do you take a win there?
1: Yes, I will take a win there as well. And even though they, you know, last year, um, even though Baker was a little off his game, they, uh, you know, they played well enough, especially sort of defensively to kind of to win that game. So I will give them a win in Denver two years in a row. And yes, six and two moving on to the Buffalo Bills.
0: All right. So I am going to pull up their depth chart with this fancy computer. They improved. Um, they, they made some moves. Their depth chart on this is completely empty. It's going to be hard for me to give thoughts on a completely empty depth chart. Hang on. Yeah, that's
1: tough. They have, um, they have no players.
0: Here's what I'll say. Hot take two, and this is going back. We're going to do like an hour and a half, and I don't really give a shit. So, um, <laughs> I actually think of those first eight, nine games. So we'll call week nine kind of the halfway point. I think that the 49ers have the best overall roster on that that first nine. That is a hot, sizzling take. Overall
1: roster, okay, overall, of, of any of the first nine opponents.
0: Overall roster, I think if Jimmy Garoppolo is where it hinges, like like Garoppolo is not himself, they they're not good. Like just because you need a quarterback, and the Seahawks are probably better because Russ is fantastic, and if he's what he was the year before the ACL. Uh, as they close the year with what, like five in a row, four wins in a row. I can't yes. remember what it was. I think it was five. Their three, yep. roster is really good, and if they add Nick Bosa and they add like in the second round somebody, I keep going back to like AJ Brown, but I think AJ Brown's going to be a really good football player, the Ole Miss wide receiver, like late in the. That first round, so their early second round pick. Like, I just, I'm just going to say, this is something we could talk about at the end of the football season. You could laugh at me because they're 4 and 12, but on <laughs> paper, I really like. They have Kyle check, who I love, another Cleveland kid. Went oh, to that, China. yeah. Former um, Raven. Yeah, that, he's yeah, great. He's a great player. George Kittle's fantastic. Like I said, like Dante Pettis in that front they have, and then they signed Quan Alexander. They can draft another corner that's respectable there. Like, I'm just throwing it out there. We can, we can laugh at that at the end of the year, but that's my right. sort of everybody spicy mark this
1: place. Everybody mark this place in the podcast where Jake Burns is taking the 49ers roster uh, in its entirety uh, over any of the other Browns' nine other opponents. Uh, mark it, and then, yeah, come back to it and roast him or celebrate him at the end of the season. We shall see.
0: We shall see. Week 10, let's get back to that, though. Buffalo added. Uh, They're obviously going to start Josh Allen. They still have LaShawn McCoy. He just doesn't age. And then they added a running back who is actually older than him and Frank Gore. The he, he just continues to play relatively solid football. Then they added, which was interesting to me, that they added two of the smaller receivers on the market in John Brown and Cole Beasley for a guy who's relatively inaccurate. I like those football players. Like I thought John Brown would have been really good here before they traded for Odell Beckham. Like, wanted him, kind of. But, uh... You know, how that works out with them. They have Zay Jones, and then I thought uh, Ray, Robert Foster came on for them. I, I like them. Like, they signed Tyler Croft. Like, they have some pieces. They improved the offensive line. They signed Mitch Morris and Quentin Spain, those guys on the interior, because they were really bad on the interior last year. Like, I think this could be uh, a be- a much better team. They Along the defensive side of the ball, they have star – uh, Lotelele up front. They signed Trent Murphy from Washington. They have Harrison Phillips, the D-tackle, last year out of the draft I wanted the Browns to get from Stanford. I think he's a hell of a player. Jermaine Edmonds, who will like just now be 20 years old in year two, who they took in the first round last year, is phenomenal, phenomenal football player. I think it's going to be really good in the middle for them. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander comes back, their longtime player. Old Brown Micah High, or uh, sorry, Jordan Poyer is in the secondary. They'll draft, uh, I think they draft... Ninth, They can get a really good football player at 9 and then they have all of their picks plus some surplus. I, I think the Bills are going to be better than everyone thinks. I think people laugh like, I just think if, and I mentioned this earlier, if Josh Allen can be respectable and just sort of improve those numbers um, some. If Josh Allen's a shit show, they're going to be terrible. There's no way around that. I'm sort of banking on Josh Allen being a little better. If I'm just looking at rosters though, like I think they could be competitive if Josh Allen's fine. So that doesn't change the fact that I think the Browns should win. But I'm gonna throw a wrench and I think the Browns are gonna have a six and two. We're arrogant. We think we're better than everybody, just let down game and fall to six and three. That's where I'm at.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to give them the W against Buffalo. Um, I think, you know, that game at home, um, you know, they'll be back home for uh, three in a row here as they, they, they'll take on the Steelers and then the Dolphins at home after that. Um, I I think, you know, obviously the key is Josh Allen for, for the bills. And I think that, um, it it is going to be, yeah, it will be fascinating to see the, what sort of step he takes from year one to year two, because, you know obviously while he became this phenomenon running the ball and you know was like out gaining more yards than a handful of running backs in the NFL like the just the 53 completion percentage he only threw for 2,000 barely over 2,000 yards 10 touchdowns I think his like his air yards per attempt was at 5.4 it's just he has so much I think that you know, he needs to improve on, although the bar is pretty low. And I think maybe especially if that team trusts him offensively a little bit more in year two, they will give him more on his plate. They will have, you know, more plays and more, you know, sort of, authority at the line of scrimmage for for him in year two so i i do think those numbers will go up but how much they will go up i think is going to be really really important for him as a passer and i i think he just has so much sort of work to do in that area that that yeah i think maybe by year three we'll know i think year two could still be a struggle for him and i think for that reason with the browns defense sort of playing at home too i'm gonna i'm gonna give this uh, i'm gonna give an edge to the browns and i'm gonna put them at seven and two
0: All right, I'm at six and three or seven and two. I like your justification. I'm actually putting a lot of stock in Josh Allen there. Um, I probably will eat those words, but. I mean, it was, look,
1: he, you know, he, he got a lot of shit uh, and he's gotten a lot of shit from a lot of people and, and maybe, you know, probably deservedly so just for, I think it was also a product of, you know, so many people kept mocking him, number one, overall, number two, overall saying he was better than the other quarterbacks in the class. And I think that frustrated people. So it almost, part of it wasn't his fault, uh, he, that people were giving him pushback because I think he got overrated by a lot of people, but, um, you know, so I will be happy for Josh Allen if he comes out and has a a good even a decent second year, so I, you know, no, there is absolutely nothing against Josh Allen here. Uh, it's just, and it, and I think it's gonna be one of the more fun storylines. I, I love watching guys progress and seeing guys progress. You just don't know how they're gonna be, and and year two is a really big year for Josh Allen. So we will we will see what happens.
0: And I part of me thinks too that like the NFC, or sorry, they the AFC East is gonna be just worse than it has been. Like the Dolphins yeah. are gonna be much worse. I think the Patriots are gonna take a step back this year. Doesn't mean they don't win the division, but I think they take a step back, maybe like eleven and five, ten and six. And then the Jets are just the Jets, and it's like maybe somebody rises up. And I think that uh, I just at least believe in the vision that, that that the Broncos are selling. Does that mean that that vision with Josh Allen works? I don't know. But yeah. um, that's where I'm at. you got to jump out on a limb sometimes. I did that twice now with some really <laughs> interesting it. things. Um, let's look at Pittsburgh. They they host Pittsburgh on a Thursday night. I'm locking it in as a win. I'm not even going to go over why. I just think if they lose to Buffalo as sort of a – we're. You know, you have those games where you're just arrogant and you're playing a team like like Minnesota when they played. They hosted Buffalo last year. Uh, Kirk Cousins just was terrible. Adam Hay had a, a ridiculously hot start to the beginning of the year, and then it was just terrible. And all of a sudden, it's like they lose that game for no reason. Like I just think that sometimes that happens. Like you, the, the Browns used to be that team, like where they would teams would sort of sleep on them and they'd have closer games than what they should be. So I think that how the Browns are handling six and two feeling really good about themselves. They have a slip up there, but I think they lock back in here against Pittsburgh and bounce back to go to seven and three.
1: Yeah. I'm going to give them a win uh, Thursday night over at home against Pittsburgh as well. I think that is going to be first energy stadium at just peak Peak level of fandom, peak level of noise, peak level of just all of it. I think that, especially if they're at somewhere close to the record that you and I have them at uh, yeah, in that game. It, so it's just it's going to be something that we haven't really experienced before. And um, so yeah, I'm going to give them a W there too. So I think I am I at eight and two right now. I think You're at I eight am. Two,
0: and we thought I was going sixteen. And you, <laughs> you
1: started out hot and you cooled, and I I, <laughs> I started did. out a little conservative and now I'm full speed ahead.
0: Which I have them losing. Who do I have them losing? to? I have them losing three really weird games: the Niners, the Bills, and then uh,
1: Niners, Bills, and uh, the Patriots.
0: Patriots. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the Steelers real quick, because we'll, we'll we'll talk about them again in just a few, obviously picks. Uh, they're replacing Antonio Brown with James Washington and Eli Rogers. Uh, good luck. That that's not even half the player that he is. <laughs> uh, they, they have they did sign Dante Moncrief, who I think has some positive traits, but like. Juju's got to have to be all world. Like, I think he's a good football player, uh, but he is going to have to be even better than they think he is right now to be uh, a replacement and sort of even replace that one-two punch that they had there. So, tight ends, Mance McDonald, you're counting on him being healthy, which is not always a guarantee. James Conner is your uh, back, a very good football player. If he's healthy all year, he's he's, he's damn good and proved so last year. Defensively, they still have, they have guys, man. Like, Cam Hayward's a guy, and then they have uh, Hargrave, and then they have TJ Watt, who's given the Browns fits in his first two years. Uh, and then, you know, secondary is iffy. They did sign Steven Nelson, who I like. They're, they're also from Kansas City. They're also going to start Mike Hilton. They have Joe Hayden. The secondary would be the weak link, that's for sure. And then um, I think defensively they'll figure it out. They kind of always do. But what do they get offensively? Because. They're going to be average to below defensively, just sort of with where the talent level is, especially in the secondary in a passing league. So you got to put up points, and that's how they did it last year. But I don't, I don't, I don't know if that path is as linear as it was with Antonio Brown. So we'll see what it looks like, and eventually Ben's going to decline. Like Ben wasn't great last year. Does he take another step back with less weapons? You know, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I'm and sure. how does
1: his you know for so long he's been a guy that. Um has been able to break free of contact has been able to avoid guys in the pocket. And even though, you know, you wouldn't exactly call him mobile, he was just a guy that like wouldn't go down and could wriggle out of tackles. And you, you wonder when that ability is going to start to decline a little bit too, because that's so much of what makes uh, and has made Ben so great is that he, he really was a guy that was able to sort of, you know, produce at a really high level when sort of things around him broke down and, and on different throwing platforms and all of that. And so that's something to monitor too, is just like, yeah, when that starts to go, I think that's going to be really tough for him if he ever has to sort of be confined to the pocket because um, that's not him and that's not how he's ever played. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of fascinating things to watch with them as well as sort of, you know, is Juju's – I think Juju is really good, but it's going to be really interesting to see how he operates without Antonio Brown on the opposite side and just yeah. when defenses are going to be shading him. Like you mentioned, when they don't really have even anything close to sort of – What he was as a as a second wide receiver opposite from him, so there's a lot of factors at play with with the Pittsburgh, and it's going to be um yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how they sort of adjust for that.
0: And they and I should say I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that they lost. You know I talked earlier about the Patriots and Dante Scarnecchia, their offensive line coach, one of the best offensive line coaches in football. Mike Munchak left to uh to to weirdly enough take a lateral job in Denver. So um don't know what that says. This is. This is sort of the Tyson zone, right? Where 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 Pittsburgh could go any direction. They could be find a way to be good. I wouldn't be surprised and they could find a way to be terrible and I would not be surprised. So they're going to be interesting. I don't know if it'll be this or subtraction. They got a lot of names here that have won a lot of football games. But Ben has sort of put his foot on the throat of that locker room and it's what Ben says seems to go and if you don't like it, you're going to get traded or you're going to have to hold out or I don't know. It's going to be very fascinating where this team goes this year. That's one that I probably this will be the most I pay attention to Pittsburgh in a single calendar year. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with them. We're, we move on to we're on to Miami. Uh, let's talk about Miami. They are they should be terrible. Uh, they they should
1: to. yes, they should conceivably be very bad.
0: Um. They're going to start Fitzpatrick at quarterback, apparently. And and play. and he had good games last year. Yep. I don't want to be mean to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he oh, had, he did. I think Absolutely. he had like two of the highest graded quarterback games in pro football focus history. Like, I think it was against Philly and New Orleans to start the year. He was unbelievable. He and,
1: he and Todd Munkin were, were making magic for a while.
0: Yeah. So they bring back a lot of similar pieces they brought back Devonte parker they brought back kenny stills and man i wanted him to find his way to cleveland yep. albert, albert wilson is uh an x-factor really good football player for them and then he got hurt and then I, I, shouts out to ricardo lewis got him a contract in miami our old boy um, he did good, good for him hopefully
1: him, he man. can uh yeah hopefully he can uh you know maybe not you know having like some insane season but just the fact that yeah maybe he can make a little impact on that team
0: other than Kenny stills though, it's like a wide receiver group that you thought two years ago might be good. Like Devontae Parker, <laughs> yes. you have like Le- Leonte Carew and then Ricardo Lewis. So, um, the Kenyon Drake's a good running back. He's sort of a do it all type. He's going to get more carries this year with Frank Gorgon, uh, Kalen Bellage is their backup. The kid out of Arizona state who had a really nice year last year. Um, Mike Giusecki's their tight end. He's a testing freak. Is he as good as his testing numbers, the Penn State kid? I, maybe he wasn't as good last year, but maybe year two he comes into his own. Defense-wise, they have a really good secondary, in my opinion. Zavian Howard's one of the better corners in football. Minka Fitzpatrick proved to be worth where he was taken. Uh, they have some Buckeyes in the middle with Jerome Baker and Raquan McMillan. Uh, up front, they lost Cam Wake. Uh, it's, they did, I don't know. I don't really recognize a ton of the names up front. This is a win. It, it just should be, you know, it should be a win. And, um, in Miami, and unless they draft a quarterback at 13, it feels like a franchise set for a reboot. I'm not sure what they do or if they do that under Brian Flores taking over, but, you know, I, I'm just going to count it as a win. Where are you? I would imagine you're, gonna yeah, you're yeah. going nine and two right now, dude. You know I know,
1: this, right? I know. This is getting out of hand, but um, I, I'm giving them a win as well. Miami okay. is weird. Miami felt like the team. This sort of felt like something too. The Browns were in the past, where and maybe Brian Flores will be great, um, and maybe he will uh, turn out to be a, a very successful coach in Miami. But it was one of those things where all the other coaches kind of got swooped up slash said no thank you to Miami and they were just like well we just got to wait for Brian Flores and it sort of just like happened now I'm sure he like wanted to be there I'm I'm sure he there are parts of him that definitely wanted to be there but it it didn't feel like something where it was like their first choice they got it was the guy that they just sort of had to wait on and now he's there and yeah like you said you know they're re-signing Devontae Parker they're re-signing Kenny Stills but they're in transition with a the quarterback. They trade Tannehill. It's just a, it's a it's a team that seems to be caught in the middle of like okay it's time to like straight up rebuild or um you know or we're still trying to compete for a playoff spot so they're yeah. in a weird position and it's not a good that's not a good position to be in so yeah I'm giving the Browns a win and I'm moving them to <laughs> moving them to nine and two Take the take if the Browns are nine and two I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs>
0: I might just spontaneously combust. <laughs> I
1: don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to do that. will be no that. more. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, Miami feels like they're going to win like five or six pointless games and miss out on a really good quarterback or 100%. Which, um, anyway, let's move to – we're back to Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh, we don't need to talk about their roster. I just think that this is a game I could see them slipping up at and going to, uh, in my opinion, I'm at what, 8-4? four now I think I was eight and three you were nine and two so yeah I would be eight and four I think they slip up here at Pittsburgh although I'd love to be proven wrong god I'd love to go into Pittsburgh and win
1: yeah I'm I'm actually going to agree with you there I'm going to give them the loss at Pittsburgh um just feels like a game yeah not only because I have them at nine and two and feel like I they they're gonna not be nine and two and then need another loss here but I do think obviously playing at Heinfield is always um especially late in the year in December is uh is tough and the Steelers if if the Browns beat them the first time around on Thursday night in front of a national audience you know that's going to be a game the Steelers are going to look at and be like we're not about to get swept by the Browns (laughs) in our divisional game so that's going to be a tough game so um, I'll give them a loss there as well so I'll have them at nine and three nine
0: and three eight and four Uh, both would be god they'd be great Um, okay Bengals are up Uh, home game so their wide receiver group is good. They they have AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, who I just think are really good wide receivers. Uh, after that, though, John Ross is on the trade market. He's not on the trade market. I i don't know. He's been an utter disappointment. Pick nine yep. a few years ago. Josh Malone has gotten snaps for them Auden Tate, the kid from Florida State, big, tall guy, but not very agile. And didn't run fast. I, I mean, you know, like they used him a lot late in the year last year because AJ and AJ was hurt. But like those are two good top wide receivers. They have CJ Uzoma, uh, who I think is a respectable tight. End. They lost. Uh, they lost Croft, so they lose a little bit of depth there. Uh, then they, I'm sorry, they kept Tyler Eifert too. I should say that. But, but you know, Tyler Eifert is sort of what is he? Is he ever going to play a full season again? Then they have G- I, I Yeah, yeah. Then they have Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard, and then Andy Dalton. Like I think that this offense could be fine. But it's like they're terrible up front. Bobby Hart is anemic. Billy Price, who I loved, I whiffed on Billy Price. Like I thought he was going to be a plug-and-play, run it, he's going to be good. He was so – go Go watch the film. I would urge anybody to get on Game Pass and watch his performance in Cleveland Week 16. It was so bad I was embarrassed for him. Um, <laughs> it was so bad. I asked Joe, Joe Goodberry about that. But um, – Then they have Cordy Glenn at left. I don't, they're just like, they have things that can work offensively. Like, Joe Mixon's a really good running back. Um, and, and then obviously they have two good wide receivers, but it's like, can Dalton be effective long term? They're considering it pick, what are they, they pick 12, 11? They're, they're considering a quarterback. Dwayne Haskins could be the, I think Dwayne Haskins would be just a good pick for them. Um, but I don't know. They could go. They they they're looking at their defense up front. They're good. They have Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard. They have depth up front. They can make things happen there. But like Nick Vigil, Preston Brown and Jordan Evans are their linebacker. Their linebacker group now, even without, um, what's his name? God, the 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 perpetual. Oh, Vontez Burfict. Vontez perfect is gone. Like he wasn't very good anyway in, in these past few years. But like. Their corners are fine. William Jackson's been really good. Drake Kirkpatrick, the Browns have roasted over the years, but he's graded out well enough. Jesse Bates, this Wake Forest, uh, strong free safety, was really good his rookie year. Um, So they're fine, and and they signed B.W. Webb as a nice uh, slot corner with Darquez and is still there, too. So, like, they have pieces there, but their linebacker group was so bad last year. Like, I guess the Bengals could be a little better than people think, but I don't believe in Zach Taylor. You talk about Brian Flores sort of holding out and just sort of getting somebody. It felt like the Bengals just sort of got somebody i i don't know maybe zach taylor's better because you're sort of just like taking lotto tickets with nfl head coaches you never really know but i just don't see a path where the Bengals are good while they have names they have people that have been good i just don't see a path where this team gets to like nine and seven i just can't see it so i'm gonna take a win at home
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, It's an offense, yeah, that is so... You know, John Ross, you mentioned him. He's such a bummer. I, I remember it was just fun watching him at Washington, and it was fun watching him break the record running the 40 at the Combine, and then he's had... Just these moments where you know he's he's just so fast and he's and he's getting to these deep balls and he's had a couple of early touchdowns last season. He's been off, it, off injured and like I just he's a fun guy that I that I was hoping would be you know a successful piece alongside a Tyler Boyd and a um, uh, and AJ Green who obviously is still remains just one of the most unbelievably talented wide receivers in the NFL. But um, just in general, yeah, I I just don't think they quite have the pieces to compete, especially at home with the Browns. And, um, yeah, I'll give the Browns a win there as well. So I'll move them to, uh, is that, yeah. 10 and 10 and three for me.
0: Yeah. no, You have the Browns. Yeah. 10 and three. That's fantastic. 10 and 3. Yeah. I love this game. <laughs> well, um, good, right. it's been
1: a rare, good schedule game for the Browns.
0: <laughs> it is. All right. So we'll keep going. We have the Cardinals up next. They still have Larry Fitzgerald. Who's just a gym. Um, Christian Kirk uh up front boy is it ugly up front they did trade for marcus gilbert pittsburgh tackle but he's perpetually hurt their tight end is charles clay or ricky seals jones who sounds like a talk show host um <laughs> david johnson's very good <laughs> i mean doesn't he kind of sounds. i like would wa- i view. would watch
1: i would watch the ricky seals jones show for sure
0: <laughs> i feel good about that one um quarterback yeah, um, i don't know what the hell they're doing CBS, okay. I, yeah I'm cbs sorry. every day no um <laughs> I don't know if they keep Rosen or the Cardinals are tough to peg. They're so weird. I, I you have a a weird coach in Kingsbury who has failed upward, and that never happens. Um, you have some names you like like Terrell Suggs and Chandler Jones and Jordan Hicks sign there, which God I wanted him in Cleveland. He goes out there. Patrick Peterson's a good player. Buddha Baker's a good player. Like they have some pieces, but I can't see Cliff Kingsbury. Being a good NFL head coach, I, I can't see I guess I like Vance Joseph as a defensive coordinator. I don't know, man. I, I I have to feel like the Browns win this game. I just have to feel like that. They have the better roster. They would be at this point nine and four in my opinion, eight and three in your opinion. A really good football team. I gotta take another win. I'm doing it. I'm going to ten and four.
1: <sighs> yeah, I um I can't pick this as a loss. I think like I, I respect the Cardinals for, um, Who knows what's going to happen with Cliff Kingsbury? Who knows if this is an experiment that's going to work out? But I will say I'm all for um, the NFL doing this type of hiring than doing a sort of retread hiring. So, like, I hope it works out. And I I hope that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's sort of air raid and all the stuff he's doing at Texas Tech, like he can figure out a way to make it work in the NFL. And maybe Kyler Murray comes in there and lights people up and they're like the the story of the year. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. I would probably – I would guess – that it's not, or it'll take some time. And this is one of those things too, Jake, where... Like I don't think the Cardinals will struggle, and you get to week 15, and if they're sitting there at you know they've got 10 plus losses and the season's sort of over for them, it's it's one of those games where you just feel like they might be playing out the string uh, later on in the season. And the Browns will be you know competing for that division title and have way more to play for. And so I think just talent-wise and motivation-wise too, um, I think the Browns will take that one. So am I now at what am I at 12 and three? You're you're
0: at 11 and 3. I'm at 11 and 3. Four. Excuse
1: me. Yes. Okay. Yep.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So then they go to Baltimore week 16, a game that could be flexed. I think that at this point the Browns are at home with a chance to clinch the division and I give them I give them a Oh man, what do I want to give them? Is if I take the last two they're going third they're going 12 and 4.
1: I think that's but I think that's where I'm going to end up because I Here's think what I'm I'm, yeah, I'm
0: going to say the Browns beat Baltimore because they get a chance to finally clinch the division at home in a really crazy environment that probably gets flexed and is really crazy and I think they do it and uh, and then week 17 they rest a lot of people and they lose so I think they go 11 and 5 in Yeah. the division
1: yeah, I, I like that. I I'm actually going to give them the loss versus Baltimore just because I like I think they're going to lose four games. I just don't know exactly. Like maybe you know maybe this that Seahawks game ends up being a loss. Maybe there's another one, but I, I think they're going to lose at least four. Like I think going 13 and three, which is <laughs> is a little too much on the maybe the homer side of me. So I will say I'll have them at 12 of four. I'll have them losing that Baltimore game at home, even though I th- maybe it'll be a game that like just emotionally gets too big for them and they stumble a little bit there and then they obviously turn around and beat Cincinnati um, in the season finale but either way I think they'll they'll win one of those last two so I'll put them at 12 and four.
0: Okay so that's those are the realistic expectations. I think if the Browns are really bad and the season goes as worst uh, in the worst direction it can go, they still beat the Jets they still uh, even though I took them to lose, I still think they could beat the 49ers. Um, you beat Denver, you beat Buffalo, you beat Miami that's five wins you beat you split with Pittsburgh that's six wins you yep. split with Cincinnati that's seven wins and,
1: and you beat, you beat Arizona, it you beat Arizona, Arizona. yeah and then absolutely. you and
0: then you split with Baltimore and then all of a sudden that's nine wins. So like there to me th- this is like the the worst the year could go should be if they're good enough is nine wins. I think a nine and seven year is like kind of fair. It's probably on the conservative side, um, and then like my good prediction, I guess not even good. I just feel like it's realistic is like eleven wins. So like in the middle, a ten and six season is extremely plausible. If they win less than nine games, that should be the barometer. And I think their line in Vegas actually is nine point five. It is. Um, yep. If they win less than nine games, or are uh, yeah, just less, less than nine games, that's another disappointment. That's a failure. Um, just based on what they've built and. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Nine games are uh, a bust. Nine would still be the low end of what I think is a really, really safe prediction. But like 11-5, and five, it felt weird for me to talk about that many wins. But when you look at the roster and what they've built, that should be, with this coaching staff, with the draft adding to a roster we think is already pretty good. And that's not blinders on wearing my Browns hat or something. That is just like looking objectively as I feel at the roster. Um yeah, I think it should be something along the lines of nine to eleven. If you go below, it was a um, you know it was a pretty pretty major disappointment. If They went to twelve and 4, 13 and three. I would be, I would be very blown away.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's sort of the top end of the ceiling. I think a lot of what we did here too, looking at the schedule, is sort of yeah. I, there, there's certainly games that are trip up games here. I even think you know, like we talked about early on, like they need to win that game against the Jets, but that's certainly a game, second week of the season, you're on the road, it's your first Monday night football game in X amount of years, like that's a big stage for them, so, you know, that's potential for a trip-up game, that Bills game, I think like we talked about is a potential for, for a trip-up game, like there's games on the schedule um, and that Seahawks game, which I sort of could go 50-50 with there for the Browns too so yeah, I think the high end of their ceiling is absolutely 12-4, and 13-3 and, and then I think more realistically, you sit in that 10-11 wins area and then yeah nine or less i think you we would feel a little disappointed we would feel like maybe you know they should have been a little bit better but it's nice to talk about nine wins being a um a low end of a sort of win total for the browns for once so i you know it's hard to sort of get too upset about that
0: yeah, I'm with you. I think you go 9-7, and seven, you probably get in a wild card spot is most likely somebody else is winning the division at that point. You get to 10-11 wins, you feel like you've won the division. So um, I know it's a little crazy to say, but I feel the best about the Browns, at least the most comfortable about the Browns roster, stability, it's crazy to say out loud, I can't believe what I'm saying, stability and continuity within coaching and players and the vision, like the vision to me feels the most correct among, like, you know, like, Baltimore lost a lot of pieces and they're trying to develop an offense that works for this quarterback that they don't really know what they have. And like Pittsburgh is all over the map with drama Cincinnati. I just don't think is going to have a path to being very good yet. So it seems to me that the path of the Browns winning the AFC North is there for the taking. So this was fun though, man, this is, this was, this was, I think that they could go 12 and four and it's not that crazy. And especially with the shape of the last half of the season, what those teams could become at the last half of the season, so I know we went out on a limb. You guys can laugh at us. You can you can literally send us the link to this podcast at the end of day. <laughs> actually on Jordan's birthday. That could be his present. Oh yeah, back on absolutely. Please
1: yeah. please roast me all day on my 31st birthday. That'll be great.
0: And I need to again say that my hot take is that the 49ers have one of the three best rosters that the Browns play this year. I'm going to make that known tomorrow. So, um yeah, I'll I'll probably get picked apart for that, but I feel good about that take. But you know, Anyway, it's this, okay,
1: Jake. You you this, went out, you, you puffed your chest out, and I respect it.
0: I hope I'm right cuz I'd look like a jackass. But nonetheless. <laughs> um no, this was fun, man. I had a I had a blast. I think this will be as exciting a brown season in my 30 years of life that I can recall. Um so I'm I'm just jack, man.
1: Yeah, I am too. I, yeah, I don't think it'll be close. This is by far the most Uh, exciting season given now that we've done a, you know, hour long podcast on their schedule release like this. It's a big deal. It's a, and it's, it's an exciting thing. It's bigger than any sort of pre Brown season hype I can remember. So um, let's just hope they capitalize on it.
0: I'm with it. Listen, uh, guys, go get Harry's razors. They're great. They're dope. They support blue wire. You should support blue wire. There's a ton of great podcasts on this network and not limited to just the, you know, the, the rebuild and Brown's film breakdown. If you're interested in the rest of the NFL, like, Ted Wynn does a podcast. the The Packers have a great pod. There's so many football based podcasts, and then they branched into the hoops network of things. And, um, the, you know, the baseball side is picking up too. I think Blue Wire is really going places. Jordan and I both enjoy the Vision. Uh, so 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 find those podcasts. Find other ones you might enjoy, and give them a listen. Give them a try. If you're not already subscribing to Browns Film Breakdown and the and the rebuild, make sure you do that. You guys have been very generous with your reviews. And ratings, we appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. We'll try to do more of these. Like this is a blast for me. I hate doing stuff on my own. You know.
1: Yeah. No. It's um. Whenever I have, whenever I don't have a guest, I just I feel so weird like doing a half hour thing by myself. It's a very weird experience. But um. No. I think you know for both of us, like these people enjoy it when we do crossover pods. Those have been some of our most popular episodes. So we will uh, we will definitely continue this trend.
0: So we will probably get together one more time before the year. Maybe a uh, preseason preview. Uh, We've done Freddy Kitchens. We got together. We did Odell. We got together. And Now this schedule announces. Yeah, probably something in the preseason we'll get back together. And then once the Browns go 12-4, and like Jordan predicted, we'll get back (laughs) together.
1: We'll we'll just gloat for an hour, and it'll be great. (laughs)
0: That's fantastic. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, I know I'll be back once more before the draft. I'm sure Jordan will, too. And as usual, go Browns.